hey, we're going to spend some time just opening up the Bible together this Easter morning. And so if you have a Bible or if you have an app and you want to get to uh, Romans chapter 5, really the end of chapter 4 and the beginning of chapter 5, we're going to take this as our primary text this morning. And what we're going to do is really just unpack um, three really huge implications of Jesus in his resurrected life. And so uh, we're just going to look at why the resurrection matters and, and what that means for our lives. And there's really a, probably a million things that we could say about this, but, but we're going to hone in on three things that Paul draws out in Romans 4 and 5. And then what we're going to do is we're going to sprinkle into that or show uh, how these things played out in the early days when Jesus first was raised from the dead with his apostles. There's actually a really cool parallel between what Jesus does and says and how he interacts with his apostles and his disciples after his resurrection and and what Paul is talking about here. So I want to kind of take us through those things. So let's start here with this, Romans chapter 4, the very end of that chapter. Paul has been talking through chapter 4 about Abraham and, and how Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. And he's using the point that Abraham's faith is what justified him before God, is what made Abraham right with God. It was his faith. It wasn't his works. And and so he's making that point. And at the end of chapter 4, he says this in verse 22. This is why his faith was counted to him as righteousness. But the words it was counted to him were not written for his sake alone, but for ours also. It will be counted to us who believe in him, uh, who believe in him, who raised, who raised from the dead our Lord Jesus, who was delivered up for our trespasses and raised for our justification. So what Paul is saying here is this, that the way we get right with God is by believing and trusting In him who raised from the dead, Jesus Christ. That Jesus was delivered up for our sins on the cross. We looked at that back on Friday. He was delivered up on the cross, but then on the third day he was raised for our justification. So what does it mean then? Let's just talk about that because that word justification is is a big word. It's a loaded word theologically really rich word. And we need to understand it. And there's a very basic, simple way to understand justification. Um, it's, it's really simply being declared righteous before God. If, if God declares you righteous by faith in Jesus, what he's saying is, is this, that all of your sin is not counted against you because it was counted against Jesus on the cross. And so God looks at us 
as we stand in Christ through faith, as justified people, people that can, can truly say we have no sin held against us. It's not to say that we're not sinners because we are, we know we are, but it's that our sins have been wiped clean. They've been removed. They've been taken away and God has declared us guiltless. That's what it means to be justified. And it is a huge, massive concept that we must embrace. It's, it's one of the most important doctrines in the Bible, if not the most important doctrine in the Bible. And so Paul's saying here that, that, we, that we are justified because Jesus is alive, because he was raised from the dead. Now, as we get into chapter 5, Paul's going to give us the, the implications of that. Why does it matter that Jesus was raised from the dead? And why does it matter if we're justified before God or not? Well, that's what he says in verse 1. He writes, Therefore, so this is tied back to the thing he just said, that Jesus Christ was delivered up for our trespasses and raised for our justification. Therefore, What's the important point here? What do we need to take from this? What's, our, what, what, what's the deal here? Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So here's the first of the three things we're going to look at this morning we're going to look at the fact that because Jesus Christ is raised from the dead, our entire position and our entire standing before God has changed. We are now at peace with God through Jesus Christ. The significance of that only really lands when we understand that prior to Jesus' death and resurrection, we were not at peace with God. Prior to us trusting in Jesus Christ, in his life and death and resurrection, we were not at peace with God. We were actually hostile to God. We were God's enemies. We were waging a war against God. But now, since we've been justified, since God has delivered Christ up for our trespasses and raised him for our justification, we are now at peace with God through Jesus. We're at peace with him. We, this is massive. The implications of this are huge. But what it means fundamentally is this, that our relationship with Jesus Christ is restored to what it was always supposed to be. When we trust in Jesus, we are not enemies of God anymore. We are now brought into his family. We are brought into a peaceful relationship with him. And, and this is an interesting thing. When you, when you read back in the Gospels, after Jesus is raised from the dead, 
he begins to appear to his disciples. Right? Paul talked about that. We read the passage in 1 Corinthians 15 where Paul lays out all these people that Jesus appeared to after he was raised. And that, that matters because it, it shows that this wasn't just one guy, one crazy person saying he saw Jesus alive, you know, like those people that claim to see Elvis. You know, it, it's not like that. This is, this is different. This is where Jesus is showing up to hundreds of people at, at a time. And, and there are so many witnesses that Jesus was raised from the dead. This is historical documentation. But anyways, one of the interesting things is that as we get into the Gospels and we start to see Jesus interacting with his, his disciples in the day after his resurrection and in the weeks that followed, one of the things that he repeatedly says to them is peace. Peace to you. If you look at Luke uh, chapter 24, verse 36, um, it says here that as they were talking about these things, so the, the disciples are talking about all that's gone on and how Jesus has supposedly risen from the dead. They're not totally sure if it's true yet because he hasn't shown up to most of them. But he, here they are. They're talking about these things. And then it says this, Jesus stood among them and said to them, peace to you. But they were startled and frightened and thought they saw a spirit. They thought they were seeing a ghost. He said to them, why are you troubled? And why do doubts arise in your hearts? See my hands and my feet. That is that it is I myself. Touch me and see, for a ghost does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have. Jesus' first statement, the first words out of his mouth to his disciples when he appeared to them was peace. I think that's significant because the resurrection of Jesus Christ is what establishes a peaceful relationship with God. In fact, John, in his gospel, accounts of these same events, um, records similarly, but he actually has Jesus, he, he tells us that Jesus said this on numerous occasions. Um, it says, in his first appearing to his disciples, it said, on the evening, on that day, the first day of the week, this is the day that Jesus rose, the doors were locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews. And Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. And when, they had, and when, they, uh, when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. And the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. And then we, we fast forward just a few verses here and we get to a week later. And now we find out that Thomas, that one of the 12, wasn't there at that point. And now he's with them again and he's doubting whether Jesus is alive. So they're trying to convince him that he is. Now Jesus shows up. Eight days later, his disciples were inside again and Thomas was with them 
All the, door, the doors were locked. Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. So you see what I'm showing you here, right? It's, it's what Paul has affirmed in this, that the justification we receive from God through Jesus Christ sets a whole new dynamic between us and God. That the resurrection of Jesus, when we trust in his death and life, we are brought into a peaceful relationship with God. He is not our enemy. He is not against us. He is not trying to destroy us. In fact, he's bringing us back to where we always were meant to be. So that's the first thing. There's two more things we want to explore this morning. Verse 2 of Romans 5. Through him, we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, we have obtained access to grace. So what is grace? This is the second thing we're going to see this, this morning. Right? We, have, we see peace and we're seeing grace. And grace is a, is a word that means unmerited favor. It's a word that means essentially, it's another way of saying a gift. Something that you are given that you didn't earn. Right? If you... If you earned something, that's not a gift, that's a paycheck, right? That's compensation. If you do work for someone and they give you something, they're paying you to, for that work you did. They're not giving you a gift. You get a gift just for existing, right? Like on your birthday, people give you gifts you did nothing on your birthday, right? If anything, it's your mom that should be getting gifts on your birthday. She's the one that did all the work, you, you know? So, so here's the thing. We are, we, uh, we are given grace. We are given forgiveness. We are given mercy. We are, we are given all of that. And the reason it's grace is because it's free. It's a gift. It's undeserved. It's unearned. And so here's the thing. Through the resurrection of Jesus, we are brought into a right relationship with God and we're at peace with him. And through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, we have the free and full forgiveness of all of our sins. It is through the resurrection of Jesus Christ that the grace of God is poured out on us. We see this in Jesus' resurrection as well. We see it in the Gospel of John and how he and how Jesus, rather, and Peter interact. So, so you all remember the story from the Good Friday events where Peter runs away after Jesus' resurrection, or excuse me, after his arrest. And then he, um, he 
ultimately denies Jesus three times. Right? We, it's a famous story of Peter's denial. So he denies Jesus. Pretty, pretty terrible thing to do. Something he swore he never would do. And, and, and so here it is where Jesus is raised from the dead and Peter doesn't know what to do with himself. So he goes back to his day job before he ever met Jesus and he starts fishing again. He was a fisherman before and he becomes a fisherman later. And they're out in the boat. Peter's got him and a few other disciples with him. They're friends, they're hanging out and they're fishing. And Jesus, the resurrected, resurrected Jesus shows up on the shore. And he, he calls them together. Peter jumps into the lake, swims to shore, and they have breakfast together that morning. And as, as they're in, engaged in conversation, Jesus does something incredible for Peter. He restores him. He forgives him. And he reestablishes Peter's leadership. This is grace, right? He, Jesus does this beautifully. He does this by asking Peter three times, do you love me? The reason he asks him three times is significant because it corresponds to the number of times Peter denied knowing him. And so we see in that story, God's grace extended to Peter in the midst of his sin. But it's not just to Peter. It's to you and me that we have the grace to be forgiven of all of our sins because Jesus is alive. He's raised from the dead. So we're seeing peace we're seeing grace. There's one more concept we want to talk about this morning. And that is, and that's hope. Look at verse 2 again. It says, Through him we have obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. We rejoice in hope in the glory of God. This is what the resurrection of Jesus Christ gives to us. It gives us hope that, that the world as it is is not the world that it will always be, that Jesus was raised from the dead to bring about a whole new creation. And we have this amazing hope in him, that all things will be made right, that the glory of God will fill the world as the waters cover the sea. That is our hope as Christians, that the glory of God would fill the world and it will fill the world one day. It will fill the world. We see little glimpses of that here and now, but there will come a day when that will be reality. And in fact, Jesus tells his disciples back in Luke chapter 24, he, the, the first disciples he meets with are these two guys um, 
Cleopas, and we don't, I don't think we know the other guy's name, but they're walking down the road and Jesus shows up and they don't recognize Jesus. He, he kind of prevents them from recognizing who he is. And they start having a conversation about Jesus's death. And these guys are going, Jesus died. We, we've been told he's alive now, but we haven't seen him. And, and then in verse 25 of Luke 24, Jesus says to them, O foolish ones and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets had spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. So Jesus says there that the glory of God is revealed in the resurrection, that the power of God in the hope that we have in him is rooted in the resurrection. Listen, I, I think more than ever, we are at a point in our lives where we need hope. We, we live in uncertain times. And you know, that's always true. It's not just now with the coronavirus and the questions that surround that. It's not just now. It feels more pronounced now, but, but it's always true that we live in a broken and fallen world and we need to be anchored to hope. It, it's interesting that as, as we look at the hope of Jesus in the resurrection, we need to see that this hope extends to all of life. It, it extends to our eternal hope, but it extends to the hope we have right here and now. In fact, that's what Paul goes on to say. Look at what he says in verse 3. It says, not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings. Knowing that suffering produces endurance. And endurance produces character. And character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame. Because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. So Paul is telling us that the hope we have in Jesus as, a, as our resurrected Savior is not just this sweet by and by, someday we'll, we'll get swooped up in some chariot and brought to heaven and, and all those kind of wishful thinking. No, it's, it's a real hope that's anchored in the grit and the, the grittiness and the dirtiness of life. Our hope is anchoring us to Jesus in the midst of suffering. And I think we need to hear that today that because Jesus is alive, we can endure suffering. Because Jesus is alive, we can see him work out our character through this suffering. And because Jesus is alive, we have hope that all of this is for something. It is for our good. And I was thinking about this where Paul's saying this in Romans 5, but he, he talks about this similarly in 2 Corinthians. 
as well. Second Corinthians one. And I've, I know I've shared this passage with you in the past and perhaps you remember it, perhaps you don't, but Paul is writing in second Corinthians about his, his sufferings as he's serving Christ in, in Asia. And, and he says this, he says, um, in verse 8, For we do not want you to be unaware, brothers, of the affliction we experienced in Asia. For we were so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt that we'd received the sentence of death. So, I don't know where you're at today emotionally, but if you are in a place where you feel like you're despairing of life and that you feel like you've received a sentence of death, you're not alone. The Apostle Paul felt that. Many people who love Jesus feel that. But, but here's the thing. We... We can feel that, but we shouldn't stay in that place. We need to bank our hope on Jesus. Look at what Paul says next. He says, but that, that despairing of life, that, that pain, that was to make us rely not on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. You hear what Paul's saying? You hear that? Paul is saying that all of the hardships, all of the sufferings in his life were real, but they were meant to do something in his life. They were meant to make him rely on God rather than himself. And listen, I think that's exactly what we're seeing happen where it is so easy when things are good and comfortable and everything's booming and wonderful and it's great to rely on ourselves. It is so easy to think that we can do this, we can pull ourselves up, we can fix this. We can. And I think one of the things that the coronavirus has revealed, it's always been true, but I think that this has been drawn out, is that we really are powerless. And we need to rely on God for our help. And but notice notice where Paul banks his hope in God. It says to, that he relies on God who raises the dead. He's looking back at the resurrection of Jesus Christ and saying if God raises the dead then I have hope that he can help me and keep me in him and produce in me the character that he wants me to have through these things. So this morning, as we think about these three things, peace, grace, and hope, would you remember, would you remember that these three things are 
promised to you. They are given to you, not because of you, but because Jesus is alive. That he was raised for your justification. And because you have been justified, you are at peace with God. And because he has been raised from the dead, you've been brought into his grace and you've had received the forgiveness of your sins. And because you have a relationship with God, you can have hope that no matter what life throws at you, no matter what trials or sufferings you endure, he is with you and he's using these things for your good. Let's always remember that our sufferings don't compare with the glory that will be revealed to us in the day of Christ Jesus. Let's always remember that Jesus was the first to truly suffer, to suffer the wrath of God, and that Jesus suffered far more than anything we could ever suffer here on earth because he suffered a a judgment for sin that you and I, if we trust in him, will never suffer. So let's rejoice in these things today. I love you all and I really am grateful for the time we've had this morning. Um, We're going to take some time now to just sing and lift up our voices and praise God for his resurrected life in Jesus. And so I would encourage you at this time uh, to stand with us and we'll sing together to our great God.